Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. So today I want to talk to you uh, on a different topic, and that is about illusions, illusions, illusions that rob us of contentment and peace and in actuality become tools of the enemy to keep us neutralized and ineffectual. Uh, something that I think on a side note here that is important for us to take away from today is that the quicker we understand that we all operate under some uh, wrong paradigms of thought. Now, when I say paradigms of thought, you know what that means. You know it's your construct, the way you think, it's the way you see your world. When we were in Arkansas, and anytime I'd mention paradigm, people would always try to bring me 20 cents after service. And so, <laughs> but here you understand what paradigm means. And so it's the, it's, it's something that, it's the way we think. And if we understand that uh, there's, there's a lot of times that we have wrong thinking, and everybody in this room has some wrong ideas, has some wrong paradigms of thought. They see their world a little skewed. That's based on our experiences. That's based on things that's happened to us in the past. That's based on our understanding of truth even. And uh, sometimes we're limited. I don't know everything that the Bible has to say about every situation. And so obviously there's room for some faulty thinking to come into my paradigm of thought. And so the quicker we can understand that, yes, I might be wrong about a few things, the quicker we can begin to accept real truth in that situation and begin to adjust the way we see things so that we can live the life that God's promising to give us. Does that make sense to you this morning? And so I think that that is an important key that we have to understand on the beginning. There are many illusions that rob us from contentment and put us into a cycle of exhaustion and disappointment. Of course, I'm not going to, I can't talk to you about all of them, but I am going to talk to you about some of the ones that I believe are most damaging to Christians. And so I'm going to begin that journey today. I would define illusions as this, if you're taking notes, as concepts or constructs of the mind that we have accepted as truth. Illusions are concepts or constructs of the mind that we have accepted as truth. They are an embraced paradigm of thought that causes us to act or react in such a way that we believe will provide for us the desires of our heart. They are the way we see our world, the way we think that if we operate in a certain uh, capacity or if we operate in a certain way that we're going to finally tap in to the life that we are promised in God, the life that we all desire, the li life that we hope to find. In other words... We think that if we behave in certain ways, we will connect with life and joy. And what we find in reality oftentimes is just the opposite because instead of truth, we have embraced an illusion. Now the enemy is great at baiting us into despair. The enemy is great at baiting us into despair. He will present us a picture of something that we believe will lead us to the life and the hope that we're looking for. And at the end of that, what we will truly find is that it was all an illusion to begin with and we have found ourselves in the pit of despair. 
We have bought into an, a lie. We have bought into an idea that something or some, someone can provide for us things that only God Himself can provide. We think, let me use uh, materialism as, as an example. A lot of times we work diligently and we work hard thinking that if we accomplish uh, getting a certain item, you know, for some of us it might be a boat, for some of us it might be a camper, for some of us it might be a new house or a car or something of that, that effect. And we think, man, if I can just get to that point, or for some of us it's retirement. If I can just work my life until the point that I get to retirement, then I can really enjoy life and everything's going to be smooth and everything's going to be happy. And we put this destination out in front of us and it's the enemy baiting us into a place where if we just work towards this and if we just constantly put our energy in this and we finally get to this place that we're going to finally arrive at this place of bliss and happiness and joy and peace and contentment but it's an illusion. Each level of life has different challenges. Each, each, each place in life has different things. And if we're expecting things or people or other stuff to come in and fill the, the contentment hole in our lives, we are going to find that after we achieve what we're trying to achieve, that we still feel just as empty. Now, you may feel fine for a few weeks. You may be even feel good for a season of time. But there's going to come a point when the reality is this did not satisfy the depths of my soul. That I need something else. And that something is actually a someone. And his name is Jesus. Amen. So contentment is found when we are courageous enough to dethrone the illusions that we have created or accepted as truth. And the fact is that most people, most people are afraid to take a deeper look. Most people are terrified to take a deeper look at themselves. I can honestly confess to you today that there's places in my life that it scares me to take a deeper look. You mean, God, that I might have been wrong about that my entire life? The way I've thought, the way I've acted, the way I've reacted to certain circumstances, you're telling me that there could possibly be some wrong thinking involved in that. And it is terrifying, it's scary to think that we have thought wrongly about a lot of things in our lives, but it's only when we are willing to take uh, the steps toward uh, allowing God to reveal that to us and open our minds up to that, that we can truly begin to impart into our soul and into our being uh, the truth of God's Word and build that firm foundation that we stand upon. We've been... On uh, Wednesday nights, we've been doing our study, Crashing the Chatterbox, and, and uh, currently we're in a portion of it where it's talking about Elijah in, uh, out of 1 Kings 18 and 19 where it talks about him going to Mount Carmel and he is facing down the prophets of Baal and uh, he faces them down. Long story short, you'll have to read the passages, but, but he faces down 850 prophets of a false god there in Israel and uh, God shows up. God sends fire down. And Elijah ends up taking every one of those 850 people out. He just annihilates them. Well, at the end of it, after this great victory, and after this, this amazing manifestation of God's power and God's anointing upon his life, he gets a threat from a lady named Jezebel, who is the queen of Israel. And she says, what you did to those prophets is what I'm going to do to you tomorrow about this time. 
And Elijah is overcome with fear. He's overtaken and he takes off running. Now I said to our Wednesday night crowd, and I'll say to you today, isn't it amazing to me? Now this will preach somewhere. Not here. I wouldn't dare preach it here. But 850 men he is not afraid of. But one woman <laughs> will put that man on the run. I'll suggest that to some of my friends. But at the end of the story and his journey and he's in the cave and he actually looks up to heaven and he says, God, I wish you'd just kill me. I'd like to just die. I'm done with all this. I've been running, um, you know, for you. And now I'm on the run because of you. (laughs) And I'm tired and I just want to be done. And the Lord is gracious to him. The Bible says the Lord bakes him a loaf of bread, sets it by his head, sends an angel to come down. The angel taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, get up and eat. Get up and eat. I think all of us in here find ourselves struggling from time to time with just not having a well-nourished courage. If you look at Elijah's life, you're going to find that he's not fearful. He's not lacking courage. He just has come through a long, drawn-out period of his life where he is weary. And it's not that he doesn't have courage. It's just a little malnourished. And he needs to get up and eat. And I would say to you in this place that every one of you uh, has within you the courage, the strength, the resolve that you need. Here's the key is you got to get up and eat. you got to arise and eat. The Bible is called the bread of life. And it's called the bread of life for a reason. Because when we put it into us, what we are actually putting into us is not just words on a page. We are putting into us the very life, the very essence, the very being of Jesus Christ Himself. And if you want to dethrone illusions in your mind, it comes through reading God's Word, taking it upon yourselves, and consuming Him through His Word into your body. You read on, you'll find that Elijah finds his courage. He finds strength, he gets nourished, and he goes on to accomplish great things in the future. For Elijah, weariness had clouded the truth. And for a lot of us in this place today, perhaps weariness is clouding the truth. Perhaps there are some places in our lives where we have allowed illusions to take root just simply because facing the truth seems to be too difficult to do. Illusions are created when we embrace an unrealistic idolism that continually drives our motivation and continues to fortify its own position, only creating more and grander illusions. In other words, what I'm saying to you is if we embrace the idea that more is never enough, we're going to continually looking for more and more, only to find at the end that more is never enough. Because what it does over time, it fortifies its own position. It creates grander and grander illusions till you lose touch with reality to the point. And we've seen it happen in the lives of people. Materialism is a great place to look because it gives us a tangible expression of what can happen. Great people, people that accomplished great wealth and did great things, looking to get to the next level and, and being able to acquire this thing and that thing. And they're the most unhappy, most discontent, most miserable people on the earth oftentimes. Why? Because if they're looking to materialistic things to give them what they need, they're going to find at the end that there's nothing left for them but despair. Because God is the answer.
God is the answer. Illusions continue until they consume themselves, until they can no longer sustain the pathway they claim to provide or the reality that they have not delivered on their promises is realized. They continue on until you realize one day, they wake up one day and they say, wow, I've acquired all of this. I've got millions and millions of dollars. I've got this company and that company. I've got ten houses all over the world and yet I'm still depressed. I'm still dissatisfied. I'm still in despair. If you're waiting for a new job to change your life, it's not going to happen. If you're waiting for a new relationship to change your life, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you, you've got to get to the place where you're content and you find that Jesus is the source of your life before you'll ever find contentment and the peace that you long for. It only comes from Him. And what happens after we understand and we real, the reality that they have not delivered on their promises, it sets in. At that point, we, like Elijah, face exhaustion. We face disillusionment. And which ultimately, the good news is it forces us to come face to face with reality. And in those moments, we have an opportunity to surrender our illusions, surrender our thoughts, surrender our lives and allow uh, hope to be birthed. What happens to us so often is that we embrace an illusion until we punch ourselves out. Until we run out of energy or we finally surrender to it. And then at that point we have to face reality. We have to face reality. You know, I've said this to you before, and I just think it's worthy of mentioning again, you can have all the vision in the world. But if you don't know where you're at, it's no good to you. And if you have vision without an anchor to reality, it's it's called disillusionment. It's called disconnected to, to, to to the opportunity that God's trying to get to us. And we have to understand where we are and what what we are facing in our lives. Hope is never lost in facing reality. I want you to hear that today. Because we think, well, I I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at my circumstance. I don't want to look at my situation. If I do, then I'm going to have to face reality. The best thing we can ever do is face reality because at that point, it becomes a birthing point for hope. And from that place, God can begin to mature it. He can cause us to surrender the false ideas that we have. And the idea that there is this magic formula waiting to arrive at some point. At that point, we can also surrender the idea that we are our own Savior in our own world. And it can cause us to quit striving and trusting and start trusting in the true Savior to do His work. The problem with a lot of us is that we have really become our own Savior. And I I just challenge you in that to really look at areas of your life where you have set up yourself to, to not operate under the provision and the, and the uh, relationship that you have with God, but yet I have become self-sufficient. I have become where I let God handle my children, I let God handle my marriage, but when it comes to my job, I got that one. In certain areas, we all are guilty of becoming our own gods and setting ourselves up as our own Savior. And so that's the first thing I want to deal with you today about. And the only thing I'm going to deal with you today about is the illusion of self-sufficiency. 
the illusion of self-sufficiency. John 15.5 says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Now I want to take a moment and if you're underlining your Bible or if you highlight in your Bible, there's a few phrases that I think are important for you to underline in that passage. And that is, in me and I in him. And also, without me. Without me. Let's define without me. The without me obviously includes Christ, right? We understand that. I mean, when we think about the person of Jesus Christ in the Scripture, He's talking, He's sharing with His disciples right before He goes to the cross, and He's telling them, look, without me you can do nothing. But what we also have to do is we have to take a deeper look at what the without me actually means. It doesn't just mean the body and the person of Jesus Christ Himself. It also means His body in the sense of the church. If we accept Jesus as who He says He is, then we have to accept His church as part of His body. Because He said, my body, my church. And so the without me has to include the concept or the idea of His church. You cannot be happy, you cannot be content, and you cannot be full of hope and at peace apart from Him. Why? Because He is the source of those things, obviously, and to think otherwise means I have accepted some false idea, some false truth. Christ is the source of all of these things and and part of His means to get them to you is through His church. He is the spiritual part and the church is the physical part. It is the incarnation, if you will, 100% God and 100% flesh, right? And so we always see this partnership between divinity and humanity in Scripture if we look deep enough. And so what God is saying to us is that I have what I have to give to you, but a lot of times the means by which I get it to you is through my church, through my body. Through my people. How does God express Himself in this earth? He does it through His people. And His people are His church. Now I want you to think about that and I want you to let God speak to you about that. God did not create you to be self-sufficient. He created you to rely on Him and He created you to rely on His body. He created you to rely on Him And He created you to rely on His body. Not only are you supposed to rely on a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you need to rely on a relationship with His body, His church. To think that we can operate in this world apart from Jesus' church, apart from God's church, is is foolishness. We need the partnership of the crew. We need the partnership of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need the strength of a a church family that comes together. You need to be a part of a church. You need to be a part of a church this morning. You need the structure in your life. You need the help in in your life. You need somebody that you can pray with and cry with and share good times with. You need the church this morning. I say it with such passion, not because I'm the pastor of the church, but because I used to believe otherwise. And it's only through studying God's Word and letting God speak to me and pulling down my own illusions in my mind 
that have understood that God didn't just give us Jesus, but He also gave Jesus manifested in His body, and that is the church. And you need the church this morning to think that you can be self-sufficient apart from the church makes you you susceptible and vulnerable to the enemy. Remember a few weeks ago I told you don't be the dumb antelope. I think we're going to put that on some shirts. The one, the dumb antelope is the one that's always cut out from the herd and he gets eaten by the lion. Don't be that one. Stick with the herd. You need the body. This statement, that statement forces me to accept this truth that I am but one person and the needs of the world and my personal needs are far greater than my capacity to meet them alone. I'm going to say it to you again. It forces me to understand this, that I am but one person and the needs of the world and my personal needs are far greater than my capacity to meet them alone. I can't do it by myself. I've got to have my brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got to have my relationship with Jesus Christ. I need Him and I need His body. And to think otherwise is the very first and most important illusion that I have to dethrone. Listen, now one key to accepting this truth and living this truth is learning to say no at the right times and learning to say yes at the right times. Now, Pastor, didn't you just say that I need Christ and the people in my life? How to say no facilitate that? Here's how. Because not everyone and everything brought into your life was sent there by God. Not everyone and everything that is brought into your life is sent there by God. And you better learn how to say no to some people and you better learn how to say no to some things because sometimes they're nothing but the enemy's plan to get you off track. I'm for good things being brought into our lives. I'm for people having boats and campers. As a matter of fact, if you're going to be my friend, I prefer you have boats and campers. Here's, here's what I've come to realize is that I don't have to have a lot of stuff if I've got friends that's got stuff. Let them, let them pay the insurance and uh, the, the, the storage and all that. And when it's time to go, yeah, let's go. But I've seen multiple times in my life where a boat has been the downfall of a person. Where a camper has been the demise of a person. Not everything and everybody that comes in your life is sent there by God. Some things were sent there to derail you and throw you off track from what God's plan is for, for you. And you better know how to tell the difference. You've got to also learn how to say yes to the right things. You know, because sometimes things come along that God's given you an opportunity over. And if you don't take those opportunities, you miss what God might be trying to do in your life. you got to know what ministries to say no to and what ministries to say yes to. you got to know what people to say no to and what people to say yes to. Not everybody that's got a problem is your problem to bear. Not everybody that's got an issue in their life is is your burden to bear. You're not everybody's Jesus. You didn't die for anybody. That, that, I can hear it in the room. There's a shock coming over some of you today. You didn't know that. I'm just telling you today, you're not Jesus. And you didn't die for everybody. And some of you live martyrdom lives. And you get your self-worth out of that. And I'm telling you what that is. That is a root of self-sufficiency. 
at work. To think that I am everybody's source. That I am everybody's uh, cross that they go to and weep. That's not what we're created to be. We need to know who we're supposed to be there for and who we're not. Who we're supposed to say yes to and who we're supposed to say no to. Your sanity, listen to me, your sanity is predicated upon your ability to decipher between the two. Your sanity is predicated upon the ability that you have to decipher between the two. Because if you say yes to everybody, you're going to run yourself into the ground. If you say no to everybody, you're missing with the life that Jesus has for you. Because it's in the releasing, in the giving, in the pouring out what God has put in you, that's where you really find the life and it is multiplied upon you. Here's the problem though. The problem of self-sufficiency lies on both ends of the spectrum. I can be extreme in one way and act in my own self-interest always continually saying no. I know people that can't say yes. Some of you are sitting here today. That I, you, I couldn't get a yes out of you it, no matter what I did, no matter how much money I offered you, no matter what kind of... No, it's no. I, I can't do that, I won't do that, I ain't doing that. No. And in that, we find complacency at work, we find apathy at work, we find just really no room for God to operate in my life. And we can't have that. On the other end of saying yes all the time is I'm trying to be everybody's savior. And this one is trickier because it operates under the guise of being loving and sacrificial. When in reality it is a refusal to trust God with the very people you love. That's good right there. And I want you to, I want it to soak in this morning. It's trickier because it's under the guise of loving and being loving and sacrificial when in reality it's a refusal to trust God and with the people that you love. I love my children. But there comes a point in my life that I can't keep enabling behaviors that they have. And I have to say, I put them in the hands of God and I trust God with them. And I let God work out the details of their lives. That's a hard thing to do. I'm not suggesting that what I'm saying to you is easy. But I'm just saying to you, there comes a point when we no longer can uh, keep rescuing people, keep bailing people out, but we have to trust God with them because redemption may be in the process of me letting go. When I won't let go, I'm saying I'm a better redeemer than Jesus. That's good stuff. The illusion of self-sufficiency seeks to make you your own God. It makes you an idol of your own worship and you become an object of your own affection. Even our prayers can be cloaked with a desire for self-sufficiency. Praying to get to a place where we no longer have to daily rely on God is really a hidden desire to not need Him. Better our prayers would be served if we said, God, help me to learn today to trust in you, to rely on you, to get from you today what I have need of you today and tomorrow to count on you for tomorrow what it has to bring in my life. Didn't Jesus say something like that? When he said tomorrow has enough worries of its own, but to trust me today 
for what you have need of. I think he also says something similar in Matthew 6 and 11 when he says, Give me this day my daily bread. Give me my nourishment for today. Give me your word for today. Help me to have what I have need of for this day, God. And I don't want to live under an illusion of self-sufficiency, but God, I want to be uh, dependent and relying fully upon you and what you have for me. Amen. Amber, would you come to the piano this morning? Here's what I want you to take away is that we need God and we need His body. We need His church. You need to be a part of the church. And you certainly, without a doubt, need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you're trying to live without one or the other, you are probably floundering. You may have it put together on the outside, but the truth is on the inside, there's some holes, there's some, there's some places that need filling, and they're only going to come through Jesus and through the release of His power through the people that God has placed in your life. Build those relationships. You may think you are fine with Him, fine without him or fine with the church or without the church but all of us have to look deeper inside many of us today think that we're fine with him and fine without the church but that's an illusion that's saying that I need God yeah because I need redemption but I don't need his body. I don't need his church. I don't need people in my life. You were never created to be an island. You were never created to be by yourself. You were created to run with the herd. And this church, this is your nation. This is your people. This is your tribe. So get connected. If everybody would stand across this place. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, just to come and filter into the altars today. I just want to invite all of you to come that, that, that feel comfortable coming forward. We're a church family. God has placed us here for a purpose. He's put us here to be a part of something great. And I feel like when you step into a room like this today and worship and preaching and everything kind of seems to flow together and you sense, you sense the presence and the power of God at work. I hope you do. But what I want you to take away from this morning is I want you to look around the people that's up here with you. These are your people. This is your, your, your team. And you need each other. You need each other. You need each other. You need each other. God's been dealing with me strongly about the body. And I'm going to be doing probably some teaching and preaching on that. But listen, we've got, we got to pull down this illusion that we don't need other people. You need everybody that's around you. Father, help us today to understand that, Lord, my brothers and sister, sisters that you have placed around me, God, are people that I need in my life. I was never meant 
to walk this alone, Father. But Lord, through the difficulties and the challenges and the blessings and the good times in my life, Lord, through it all, it is always better to have partners. It's always better to have friends, God. It's always better to have a team of people surrounding me, a family of people that love me. So Father, help us, Lord Jesus, to begin to think beyond ourselves to the point that every aspect of our lives, we try to include others in the process. Lord, that's community. That's relationship. Those are the things that you teach us when you teach us about the body. That all of us are parts fitting together to form the whole. And God, we need each other. We rely on each other. God, give us the courage to be accountable to one another. Give us the courage to build relationships with one another. Give us the courage to be vulnerable and transparent with one another. Give us the courage, God, to walk out life together. And not only life, but the life you promised us. Release it into this place, God. In Jesus' name, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right where you're at, if you just slip your hand up in the air and put it right back down, would there be one? That says, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus. Would there be one in this place today? Not where I need to be. I need to make things right with the Lord. If that's you, would you put your hand up and put it right back down? Does everybody in this place have that relationship with God? We want to make sure before we leave. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us after Ripley.